So we begin the, the parasha, we see Yaakov goes to, Yaakov is in Egypt. And it says that Yaakov was in Egypt 17 years. So the 17 years, it's interesting, he spent 17 years with Yosef before Yosef left, and he taught him the Torah of Shem and Hever. The rabbis said, why is Torah of Shem and Hever? Because Shem, the Torah of Shem and Hever is the Torah of Galut. It's interesting that that's what Yaakov went to learn before he went to, to Lavan. Also, the rabbis say that these were the best years of his life. It was the Tov of the 17, the Gematria of, of Tov is 17, and the Gematria of Tov 17, the two 17 years were the two periods of his life, which were the best years of his life. Well, up until 1.30, he says, Yeah. And then after that, he has the one, then he gets the 147. It's interesting, you know, I was, uh, someone asked me the question, says, you know, we see that, that uh, Yaakov dies at 147. And he should have lived till 180. And we see because he mentioned, what you read in the Torah yesterday, he mentioned, that, you know, how terrible his life was. So there's 33 words in that conversation. Oh, yeah. So because each of the words of that conversation, he lost a year of his life. It says also that Yosef should have lived the same as his father lived. He should have lived till 147 like his father, but he died at 110, which is 37 years less than his father. I saw something very interesting. You know, we have the Midrash that tells us, take 33... I thought it was 120, and then he got penalized. One, right, because he said, Avdechat every right. time. But, but they, I saw this one where he should have lived the same as his father. So it's 37 less. So you take 33 and 37, you put them together, you have 70. And it says, it's, I saw it says that we have the opinion that Adam HaRishon gave the 70 years to David HaMelech. But you see that Yaakov and Yosef were in a way a tikkun of Adam HaRishon. They both had the same face of Adam HaRishon. And David HaMelech comes later to really be the tikkun later on. So they say the 33 years from Yaakov and the 37 years from Yosef went to David HaMelech and that's what gave him the 70 years of his life. So... I don't even know this until I read the Zohar like Wednesday night. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, what? Nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste, exactly. <laughs> so... One, one, of the, one of the questions that the, the Rabbi Mizrahi showed me yesterday when we were praying, he walked over to me and he pointed out this, this, uh, this Ora Chaim from yesterday's Perasha. And the question here is, is why the Jews became a great nation specifically in Egypt? One of the reasons, why did they have to go to Egypt? And the Ora Chaim says that there were sparks of holiness trapped by the Klippah that were buried in Egypt that Bnei Israel had to be able to pull out of Egypt. What is this whole idea of sparks of the klipah that they had to pull out? It's, it's a very difficult concept. But we say that, that perhaps when Adam HaRishon sinned, everything blew up and, and, the, and the holiness went into the, the earth, which was, which was cursed all over the world. And what happens is we have a responsibility wherever we go. And this is one of the ideas we bring up, you know, the world was filled with tohu that why do we have to have all the exiles? The exiles is a job for us to draw the sparks in each place that we go to and raise those sparks up to a, to a higher level. Once we raise the sparks from a place, we're done with the place. And I found it interesting because there's a rabbi I'm friendly with, his name is Pinchas Winston. And he brought an analogy, said something very interesting. How do we realize that that our work in a place is done. 
He said, imagine for a second that you have a contractor and the contractor is working on your house for six months. And he comes to your house every single morning with his whole crew. And you got friendly with him. So when he comes to the house, you make him a cup of coffee and he starts to work with the crew. And originally you thought he would be done in a couple of months and it extends for three months, four months, five months, six months. And finally he's done. And you pay the contract and he's done. The next morning you get up and you look outside and the trucks are pulling up with the contractor. And you say the contractor, he comes inside and maybe he wants to say hello, have a cup of coffee. He comes in and has a cup of coffee with you. And there's nothing for him to do, but his trucks are just sitting outside. And you say like, what's with this guy? Maybe, you know, he just was checking to make sure everything's done. But the next day he comes and the next day he comes and the next day he comes and he keeps coming. And after two weeks, you finally say, I have to call the police to get rid of this guy because he's off his rocker. He says, this is something we have to think about with us. We go into Galut in a place because we have a job in the place to collect the sparks that were left in that place. Once we collect the sparks, it's time to go. We're not, we're not, we're not supposed to be there in those places anymore because once we've collected the sparks, we collect the sparks. There's something interesting, you have to think about that. When we end up in a place by mistake, there's generally not a mistake. Because there's some job that we have to do. Especially, you know, when I was younger, I traveled at least 100 days a year for 15, 20 years of my, you know, when I, from when I was young until I think in 93. From, I think, wait, so from 79 till 93, those 15 years, I've traveled at least 100 days. Some years I traveled 200 days. I said, what am I? And the interesting thing is, maybe what you're doing is, you're going into a place and you're supposed to gather sparks wherever you go. I remember one time in the, in the late 80s, I went with my brother Victor. We had a meeting in a place called Udine. And it was on a Sunday morning. Udine is North Italy, right at the border of Yugoslavia, or whatever it's called at that spot today. So we, went to, we were going to this meeting. We had to be there on Sunday morning, early meeting. I said, okay, what are we going to do? We went on, on we, we left on Thursday night. We're supposed to land in Rome at 6 a.m. Friday morning. And then there's a, a quick flight to Venice. And we arranged to spend Shabbat in Venice. And then we're going to drive an hour up to Udine on Sunday. What happens is we're on the plane going to Rome. And the pilot announces there's a general strike in Italy. Closed the airport's closed. Nothing's happening. I don't know if we're going to be able to land. I don't know what we're going to do. In the end, we land in Rome. But there's no, there's no flights to anywhere. There's no taxis. There's no buses. There's no anything. And there's no luggage. You're done. So my brother looks at me and goes, what are we supposed to do? So I hear a guy speaking Hebrew. I go find, run after the guy. He knows a guy picking him up. So he picks him up. says, where do you want to go? Takes us to the Excelsior Hotel, because I usually stay there. I knew the guy. The guy said, I have nothing, you know, but I know you. Take the presidential suite. I gave him a lot of money. He gave us the presidential suite. So now I said, what, am, what are we doing here? We had no clothes for Shabbat. Everything was in the suitcase. Thank God we had our tefillin. That was all we had. So I went with my brother. We went to go make a suit so that we would have a suit. You know, you're in Italy, in Rome. You could pretty much do whatever you need. And then we went, we got food, we did whatever we had. That night, we went to a minyan near us. We were 9 and 10. So my brother said, maybe that's why we got stuck here. But I think it was the next day. The next day, we wanted to pray in the big synagogue in Rome. 
So we're walking across, and you walk around the Vatican yeah. when you walk towards the... But we're wearing our talets because there's no carry. You can't carry. So we're wearing our talets as we walk through the streets in Rome. You see two guys with the talets among all of the guys in, dressed in uh, red and white. And as we're walking, we see the people selling the little Mother Marys, the souvenirs. But they see us in the talets, and what do they do? They say, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Jewish people standing there selling the souvenirs. It says, maybe just so that they should say Shabbat Shalom and accept upon themselves Shabbat, we got stuck there. That night, we gave a class, we did a Seudat Shalishi, we will also get 9 and 10 in that minyan. Then that night, they told us the strike ended, we slept there, we went the next morning, everything, everything worked out. So who knows why you end up in a certain place? You have a responsibility to collect the sparks in those places. Wherever we go, we have a job. Whatever mitzvot we could do, we could attract. Why did Yaakov himself have to go? Because Yaakov had this spiritual energy like a magnet to attract the sparks, to raise those sparks up. And I think one of the reasons they say we don't go back to Egypt again is because we spent the time in Egypt, we got the sparks out of Egypt, you don't need to go back to Egypt. You have other places you have to deal with. But we have to remember that sometimes the, the job is done. And when the job is done, it's time for us to get up and move out. And if we don't move out... We're like the contractor who's coming again and again. The people get upset, and that's when they start to go after us. We should uh, collect all the sparks. Bring my Shiach. Amen.